thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Yay! (laughs) It's so great. So uh, anyway, it's beautiful. You would uh, look at that space and see some of that stadium seating that was built for basketball and think, oh man, maybe God had a plan to build that for a church. So anyway, I just think the team has done such a great job to make that fit and we're so excited. I want to just share just a couple thoughts. If you guys can just put up there uh, just, just a picture of the outside of the building real quickly. We have available for you these magnets today. And so if you can just grab one of those, if you were given one of those, make sure and get one. Um, if not, make sure and pick one up before you leave. And my request is, is that you would go ahead and pray for this process and continue to each day. Uh, so if you are a Gen Xer like me, you can put this on your refrigerator. If you're a millennial, put it on your washer or dryer so that you can keep your kitchen without clutter. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so, um, but, but really, uh, these, these have on there the, the miracle building. And that was the phrase that we've been using. And really, it's just been God uh, providing every step of the way. And my hope is, is that as we continue this journey together, that we'll continue to pray because we know that when we pray, God hears our prayers and it matters. And so I'm actually not just asking you to do that symbolically. If you really would, even if it's just a three-second prayer that the Lord would continue to just provide um, supernaturally, that would be amazing. So this is uh, the space. It's on the northwest corner of 135th and Quivira. And so uh, from this day forward, everybody promise me, you'll call this our building. You got it? That's our new building, all right? So um, uh, some, just sometimes in language, I hear people calling it some different things. It's real easy. It's, it's, it's our building, all right? So um, call it the new building. And, and obviously, it's a massive space. And, and when we began the journey, we had no idea that God would pr- provide this big of a space. Um, but I want to just show a couple other pictures up here. Um, if you guys can throw the auditorium up there. Uh, um, so, so if some of you are wondering why, why is there kind of these, the stadium seating, this is, um, it currently, this is a, it's all, it's all a basketball gym. And so we're just basically, uh, reconstructing it. It's going to work out perfectly. And so when it's time to sing, um, this is formerly kind of where, Basketball players would run out to the court, and now Katie and the worship team are going to run out on Sundays. <laughs> Just kidding. And so, no. Well, maybe. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, actually. And so, uh, if, you wonder, if you're wondering why there's um, multiple colored um, chairs, <clears throat> it's not because we found them at a garage sale. This is Nathan's strategy. And so, you can ask Pastor Nathan. Um, He's got scientific reasons. It's awesome. He's brilliant. He's like a wizard on this kind of stuff. And so anyway, you can ask him. But anyway, I just wanted you to see that. Uh, I'm very, very excited about the way this is looking. Go ahead and show the lobby real quick. Um, and uh, so this is, 
This is Coffee Bar. Can you picture Paul Barker right there? I just, I feel like I can see Paul just with a big smile and a beard welcoming people. Um, but we're really excited about, about kind of that space and the auditorium. Um, we're still working on all the renderings. Uh, we're gonna have a world-class kids space. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that. We don't have all the pictures yet of our kids space um, yet, but it's gonna be phenomenal. It's amazing. And let me just kind of give you an update of where we are. I've been saying, I'll tell you this story, I've been saying as I communicate it to uh, my family and some friends, I've been saying there's this story that we read about in Mark where there's a blind man and Jesus heals him, Mark 8, 22. And it's that story where Jesus um, he goes to heal him and he says, what do you see? And the man, the blind man says, oh, I see people, they look like trees. And, and, and then he, Jesus it says, look again, and then all of a sudden he's healed. So I've been saying we're in that moment where we're in the middle of a miracle. So in that story, you can see that it's a process instead of a moment, that the miracle of Jesus healing the blind man wasn't just suddenly in a moment, it was kind of a process and then an engagement. And then he could see, but he could only partially see. And the word there in Mark says it couldn't see clearly. And so I've been saying that and I've been repeating it. I said it to our family. I said it first. I say things to Renata. That's kind of how it goes. I say it to Renata. If it makes sense to her, then I might say it somewhere else, you know? And so I'll say it to my family. And then I was saying it this week, um, just different, different people and, and groups. So anyway, I was driving with Adeline this week. She's 15, blonde hair. And, uh, and I said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really believing God. We're in the middle of a miracle. We've got, we've seen miracles with the building up to this point. We've called it the miracle building. We've got a ways to go in order to get the whole renovation process done. And that day that we finally are in the space. And so Adeline, I just, I love this idea that we're in the middle of a miracle. And Adeline said, dad, I like your whole story about Jesus and the blind man and the Bible. She goes, but if you really want people to understand, just say this, oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. So anyway, you can pick Adeline's story or you can pick my story, but either way, we're halfway there and uh, we're seeing God work uh, supernaturally. And I just want to thank all of you. Can you guys just give a big hand to everybody that's given, worked so diligently. Renata, would you come up and uh, we guys, you want to grab that microphone right there, babe? And I just asked Renata to come up and just pray for this process. We're continuing to believe God, go on the journey together. You want to just pray for us? Jesus, we just thank you so much for where we are in this moment. God, just this building has been such a miracle and we are in awe of your goodness God, the scripture that you spoke to us when we started the church was not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then it says, what are you, O mighty mountain? And God, in the middle of this, as we look, we just know, God, that it's your strength. It's not our power. It's nothing that we've done, even to get to this place. All the beauty, all the salvations, all the healings, all the different things that you have done, Lord, people connected, families restored, all the different things that you've done. God, we know that it's your spirit. And so God, in this moment, when we're halfway there, Lord, we ask for your hand. God, we ask that you would push this through the way that only you can do. And we say, we're your people. We're partnered with you. We're going to listen to you. And God, we trust you, God, for this next phase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. I'm going to walk you down just like this. See, like, boom, boom, there you go. Okay. 
All right. Hey, um, so fun. I'm, I'm having so much fun. I hope you are. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful and thanking the Lord for what he's done and what he's doing through you. You guys are so, um, thank you for your generosity and everybody that's jumped all in to help make this happen. Um, hey, we're going to start a new series today leading up uh, to Easter. And so, um, I'm calling it uh, Building Radiant Disciples. And so here's the idea. I know it's tied into the building. It's just can't get enough of it. So, uh, but, but, but I wanna talk about what we're called to do in terms of building radiant disciples and the building as a tool. So the goal is not the building. The building is just a tool to accomplish the, the dream, the vision that God has. And, and I wanna talk about this idea of, of building radiant disciples. And so we're gonna take, um, we're gonna take the weeks leading up to Easter and we're gonna actually work backwards. So so I want to I wanna kind of intro it today, and then next week I want to talk about being radiant. I want to talk about the idea of us serving and being a light to our city and a light to the nations and what Jesus has called us to be, and, uh, and then we'll take a week and we'll talk about being empowered. We'll talk about uh, us knowing and discovering what God's called us to live out with our lives, what our spiritual gifts are, being filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, and then, then we'll take a week and I want to talk about being transformed. And it's that journey of, of God at work inside of us so that we're no longer like we used to be, but we're actually different. We're a fruitful people. We're transformed by God. And then on Easter Sunday, uh, we'll talk about rescued. We'll talk about salvation. And I want to invite you that day to bring uh, as many of your friends that you're able to. As you know, on Easter Sunday, that's a day where many people um, in our culture uh, that normally do not attend church will attend church that day. So even now, leading up to Easter, if you'd be praying about who you could bring, that will be the message title on Easter is Rescued. And we'll talk about how uh, Jesus rescued us. We'll talk about the cross and the resurrection. And so that's where we'll be on Easter. Everybody got it? And so, yes, yep, you got it, got it? Yep. And so uh, that, whole, that whole journey is the journey of discipleship. It's the journey of starting with being rescued and then being transformed and then being empowered and then being radiant. And so um, that's where we're going. And so uh, make sure and, uh, and, and not just be thinking about attending Easter, but be thinking about who you could invite to come with you on Easter. And today, um, if you have your Bibles, uh, we'll start this, this Building Radiant Disciples series and we'll, and I, we'll just, we're just going to go after just an introduction on discipleship this morning. Um, so Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Father, we love you today and we honor you with our lives we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege of being disciples of Jesus in this time in Kansas City. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be filled with the light, the life, the joy, the radiance of Christ. We ask, Lord, that, that I, I pray, Lord, that the, the church that you see would see people sincere, authentic, and bright, filled with joy and life. We ask, Lord, that we would be true disciples. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said amen. amen. Renata and I were uh, having conversation uh, uh, this week with, we had three of our four teenagers in the car. And the conversation went around the idea of people deconstructing their faith. 
And so the conversation started with the idea uh, of some, uh, a famous uh, Christian uh, that, that maybe 15 years ago uh, was, was somebody that we kind of knew, kind of in, in Christian community. And, and since then has taken a step and deconstructed and gone public with their new view, which is without Christ, which is some form. I don't know the details of, of their view, but, but they've gone public with that. And so because we have uh, teenagers plus the internet, they've got a, 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 an idea about that. And so we began to just have this conversation about what that is and the why and, and how often does that happen and what's taking place and what is this, this whole thing where there's people that are, are, are using that language of, of deconstructing or that language of, of, I once was a follower, but no longer am. And this really isn't new to our generation. So don't think this is new uh, in 2023. Don't think that this is something that uh, we haven't seen before. Actually, we read about it in the gospels. There's a moment in John 6 where it says that disciples, people, people who were, had been following Jesus... John 6, 66, it says that they, they no longer followed him. That they, and it actually says that they turned back. So it's interesting because you've got in Jesus' day, you've got people that in that context, you've got a moment where Jesus is providing some food. And, and you know the story. Jesus gives a free lunch. And, but Jesus begins to teach something that they don't want to hear. And so they, they, they turn back. And the language that John puts in there is they turn back and they no longer followed. We read about as Paul is an older man and 2 Timothy, most scholars believe that's the last book or the last letter that we get from Paul. And he just puts this phrase in here about his friend Demas or his co-laborer, where formerly he had talked about Demas as a, as a co-laborer. And now he says in 2 Timothy 4, 9, so this is the text where we get all the good stuff from Paul about I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Uh, join with me in suffering like a good soldier. I mean, Paul's coming to the end and he's got all this language about his journey of faith, staying faithful and following Jesus unto the end. And he's gone through suffering. He's gone through difficulty and he's been in a prison cell. And now he's writing to young Timothy and he's using some of that language. And here when he talks about Demas, he says this, do your best to come quickly for Demas because he loved this world. So he gives us a motive. Why? For Demas, because he loved this world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Most Bible commentaries here talk about that as Paul's going through suffering, that Demas leaves for a life of non-suffering in Thessalonica. So because it got difficult, because it got hard, and the way Paul says it is Demas who loved this world. Strong language. And so here we are talking about this idea with our children that's not a new idea. It's not... It's not, well, there's not shock. In fact, you can read church history. Many of you, I mean, for me, I, I lived in a season of, of following Jesus with strength. Uh, many of you have heard me tell stories about what God did as a teenager. And, and so this, was, this would be many of the people in my own sadness of, of, of seeing people that I would put that phrase in there for some of my friends because they love this world. So start it off right Started off with a confession. Started off with a, maybe some kind of small group singing something in the early 90s. And today, today, that's not where they're at. 
So hard conversation, theological conversation, a little bit of painful conversation to have some of these talks. But I was thinking about the, the idea of why you come to Jesus. So here when Jesus says, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whenever Jesus talks about, this is what it looks like to be one of my disciples, that, that you're going you're gonna to lose your life, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to get new life, and you actually find, John 10, abundant life. And, and the potential for you and me in our culture to come to Jesus and, and not have a, a disciple mindset, to come to Jesus and maybe get, maybe get not all in, on what it's going to cost, maybe not get all in on who he is, but potentially even, I'm going to say it this way, and this is a little bit offensive to many, but use Jesus as a means to accomplish my end. Just like I'm a consumer of something on Amazon Prime, I consume something in order to get what I want, and maybe I want blessing, maybe I want good things, and so instead of recognizing a full surrender, a full life change, a full, a full repentance, a full not my way, but Jesus way. Very easy, very easy on day one to come in with a false view where it's really about me instead of really about laying my life down. And then when you face the crisis or the pain or the disappointment, check out and no longer follow. Just like we read about John 6. Just like some of you watch and I watch on social media or on the internet today. So I was thinking about your salvation story. I don't know what your salvation story is. If you were to go back and think about the moment where you said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm no longer Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my rock. Jesus is my future. When I say yes to following Jesus, what I get is Jesus. And so some people say what I want is fill in the blank, but what you get is Jesus. And so here's Paul. And I love when Paul here is finishing the race. He's He's in a prison cell and he's going to finish. He's a finisher. He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop. He's going to finish all the way to the end. And that's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for my family. It's my prayer for us as a family that we would be finishers. And I was thinking about Paul's moment of surrender. It's a pretty dramatic one. I just want to read it for you because I think all of us wish we had this kind of moment, right? Like think about how dramatic Paul's is. All right, formerly Saul, just listen to it. I just, I just want you to hear. And so it, we read about in Acts 9, but in Acts 26, as he's telling King Agrippa, he recounts the story. And I just want you to hear his own version of his story. And if you were to go back and say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine, or I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19, or I gave my life to Jesus when I was 29, or 49, or 79, or whatever it is, I just want you to hear, this is how Paul tells his story. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. So Jesus appears to him, brighter than the sun. That's bright. Blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Then I asked him, who are you? Lord, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you and appoint to you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue 
you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Like, that's a powerful moment. That's a moment where I was persecuting the church. Jesus appears to me brighter than the sun, tells me what to do, tells me exactly my purpose, and I've been faithful to be obedient to that purpose ever since. And I think for many of us, if we were to go back and, and look at our salvation story, sometimes there's a murky middle mess of, of, of maybe not full surrender. I, I just think maybe, I think sometimes, I was watching this John Christ reel recently where he talked about it's, it's too easy to get saved, you know, like, Everybody just tries to make it lower. He's, and he was, it was really, it was, it, he was making a joke of it, but he was saying like, like, like it, it, you know, are you gonna, are you, you just, just so quickly like, and, 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 and sometimes, and, and, and it, it's sarcastic, but I, but I look at it and I go, I, I think maybe for you and for me, maybe it's good for us to come back and just hear Jesus when he talks about denying self and following and, and, and th- even a moment ago when we were going through communion, I was just meditating on these apostles that actually, actually gave their lives because they saw Jesus go to a cross and they experienced Jesus resurrected from the dead. And they were like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to give my whole life, give everything. A research was done a, 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 a while ago now, but in, with our age group, adults, you know, most of you still adults, and, and, and it was done by Lifeway Research, and they said, after this big research, Pew Research Forum, they said that the common view that we have today of Christianity, and these are big words, is moralistic therapeutic deism. A lot, I'll, I'll talk about it. Moralistic is, God wants me to be good, moral. God mostly wants me to be a good person. Therapeutic like the word therapy, God wants me to be happy. So I come to Jesus and he wants me to be good. I come to Jesus, he wants me to be happy. Deism, meaning that God kind of set up the world and then walked away. God is distant. So let's just pause and let's just take that. That's, that's research, looking at the way that people in the United States today view Christianity and that umbrella term, moralistic therapeutic deism. So if that exists inside of some of us, how does that cause us to live? Well, if I, instead of believing that I'm brought from death to life, that I've gone from my ways to new life in Christ, they think I just need to be good. I need to be a good person. But there's a big difference between my own attempt to be a good person and Christ died for me in my place for my sin and now I have new life in him. That's different. And therapeutic, boy, not many places in church history would they say, 
that God wants me to be happy. Like, um, when you look at so many people that have given their lives, um, I think it's easy for us to kind of say, yeah, I, I want to kind of mix a little bit of the Jesus dream and the American dream. And God wants me to be, have that kind of temporary happiness. Now, I'm not, that's not talking about an eternal joy. That's different. But, but it's easy for us to say, no, even when I look at my fence, my house, my car, my life, my comforts. And then deism, that would be the idea that God is distant, that he, he's, he's, like a, he's like a distant God. He's not really involved in my life. But if you and I were to read Jesus and you and I were just to read Acts and you and I were just to listen and, and we were to read the word of God, we would not come up with moralistic therapeutic deism. We would, we, would, we would look at new life in Christ, not just be good. We, we would recognize I am in this with allegiance to the lamb, whether good days or hard days, whether hills or valleys, whether it goes awesome are challenging. And God is with me through the darkest times. That really what it means to follow Jesus, whether I go through good days or hard days, hills or valleys, challenges, circumstantially, and I'm thrown into a Roman prison cell and chained, or if suddenly I get an easy life. I, I am in this for him, and he is with me. And that's the promise that we get. That's, that's the Matthew 28, Great Commission promise that we go ahead. I, I will be with you to the end. So it's he's close. He's, he's, he's with me. The Holy Spirit takes up residence and he is not distant. He cares. That's how we started the service this morning. He cares about every little detail of my life. He cares about the hairs on my head. He cares about the trials that I'm going through. He cares about every detail. He's with me. He comforts me. So I'm doing life with God. So moralistic therapeutic deism, though, if that gets into you and me, so God wants me happy. God's, God's a bit distant. God just wants me to be good. Then you don't have the supernatural life of, of going from death to life. Then you've got a false view of how to deal with circumstances. And you've got a false view of how God is right there closer than a brother right there with you. But if you have a right view of Jesus and a right view of giving everything to him the day that he invited you and said, come follow me, then you can go through any trial or any difficulty. I was thinking about even this with some of my missionary friends because I'm, I'm 46 and, uh, and, and I was a part of, you know, junior high like prayer group groups at public school and high school and college and all the way through. So so I, I've had some buds in, in my time and our lives all kind of have turned out differently. And I was thinking about some of my friends that had committed to be missionaries at 20. And one of them today is a dynamic missionary. <laughs> and the, his yes to Jesus, his yes, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. He truly, I'm not exaggerating. He said, yes, he's in full obedience and he has a nice house that overlooks the Pacific Ocean. All to Jesus, I surrender. True story. Another one of my friends, he has said, yes, 
He's given everything. And as Jesus has led him, he has said yes. And he currently has a very small home in a village in the mountains of Mexico where there's often open sewage running and he's trying to help people. And, and both of them gave their yes. And both of their circumstance ended up differently. And following Jesus is, I did not sign up to get the good life. I did not sign up to get the beach view. I signed up because Jesus is worthy of my life. And wherever you take me, I'll follow. And I have decided if it takes me into a Roman prison cell and I am here writing because they, they, I can't preach because they chained me up. So I'm going to write to Timothy and I'm going to write to the church in Philippi and I'm going to write to the church in Colossae and I'm going to write to the church in Ephesus. And every chance I get, I'll, I'll preach. And every chance I get, I'll go take the good news to the Gentile world. I'll go be obedient. But I'm, my allegiance to the lamb. He's, he's worth following. And I think for you and I, when we get the invitation to follow Jesus, it's easy to have a casual view of the invitation because we get so many invitations. We get an e-invite to every party. We get an, inv an invite to every calendar event. We get an invite to go through every kind of online training so that you can get a better life. Go through this workshop, this seminar, go to this event, go be a part of this group, go, to th go on this trip. If you go to, and so you get invitations all the, all the time. But there is one invitation that far surpasses all of, this is not one invitation in a sea of invitations and oh yeah, the invitation to follow. No, there is one invitation that is the invitation of a lifetime. And when Jesus invites his disciples And when he invites you and me as disciples, it's more than a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a disciple. I'm going to say yes to Jesus one time for me, church camp, you go back to your first day. I think of it like this, Jesus, man, I'm. I'm a, uh, uh, yeah. What does it look like to be a disciple in this decade? Does it be a dis be, mean to be a disciple this year, 2023? All the way to, what does it look like to be a disciple today? I'm, I'm a, I, I am a disciple. I'm a follower of you. You're worth my life. And every other invitation, every other opportunity is ashes, according to Paul compared to the super, surpassing greatness of Christ, knowing Christ. Paul says, of whose sake I've lost all things. So that allegiance to the lamb, that invitation to follow, whoa, that's your privilege. That's your honor. And I just want to pull back and just, I just want us to remember, man, when we signed up to follow, it's, it's everything. I remember I uh, took a team of young people To India in 2003. And the pastor that hosted us in Delhi, um, he and I, you know, I, I just, we, we clicked. And I just remember um, walking the streets, talking to him. And he told me his journey of going, actually leaving India to go to, the, to America, went to Colorado State. 
in Fort Collins, and his plan was to be a doctor. But while he was there, um, Camp's Crusade and some of the college ministries led him to Christ. He became a follower of Jesus, and his his plan was to be a doctor. And he said, "But I got I gave my life to Jesus." And um, he said, "I suddenly felt like I there was so little activity of 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 churches here in my hometown. I felt like like Jesus called me to." to come back and start a church. And, uh, and then he, sp- he smiled, you know, just big old smile. And I just remember this moment. It's like it's frozen in my head where he said, and he said, and he, with a big grin, he goes, and I've been a poor pastor ever since. <laughs> and he said, but you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather say yes and be obedient to Jesus call my life and be a poor pastor in India than, than, my, than my original dream because this is what Jesus has called me to and I just remember just having just, an, just a moment of, of, just, of kingdom. I resonated. Like I could, I just go, yes, like that's beautiful. And I just say that because I feel like I live in a culture where our temptation is always so often to go look at all these other invitations, all these other things. But here's the invitation of a disciple. It's to be, it's to be with Jesus. So, so when you come to Jesus and you choose to follow Jesus, here's what you get. Him. That's what you get. You, you, you get him. And I remember um, when I was working in Colorado, a pastor called me. He said, David, I want to offer you a job. He offered me this job. And, and uh, I just, nothing wrong with this phrase that he said. I guess a little bit, hope he never finds this. But he said, he goes, uh, he goes, hey, Come work for me, and we'll do something big for God. Nothing wrong with that. I know his heart, great motive. We'll, we will do something big for God. But can I tell you this? Jesus doesn't invite you to come do something big for God. He says, come be with me. And if you end up in a mud hut in Mexico, or you end up with a big old house overlooking the Pacific, here's what you get. You get Jesus you get obedience to him, and the earthly circumstance is not your win. You will stand before him, and one day, Jesus uses all of us to accomplish his mission. And so as a part of the body, whether you are a toe or you are a nose or an ear as a part of the body, you want to stand before Jesus and say, I was with Jesus. He led me all the way, and I followed him unto the end. In Mark 3, when Jesus calls the disciples, it says, he calls them that they might be with him. Mark 3, 13. And that they might preach and that they might cast out demons. <laughs> oh, that's like a crazy moment. You ready for that? You ready for that? With him. I want to be with him. And I might, with my words and my life, be a light. Declare him. Help those who are living in bondage find freedom. Get out of what's going on. And so you don't come to Jesus and say, okay, God, I'm a big deal. How are you going to use me? I'm a five-star recruit, baby. Uh, I'm varsity. Where do I go? You come to Jesus and you just go, worthy is the lamb. I'm yours. I'll be a follower. Wherever you take me. 
everybody in the body. The most beautiful part is all of us doing something small. You know, every single one of us do something small. Like I was just thinking about even that movie, Jesus Revolution that just came out and Greg Laurie has done something so big and here's Greg Laurie filling stadiums and Greg Laurie uh, making a movie. And yet in reality, Greg Laurie compared to all of the world and all of church history, so small. Just, just stop trying to be famous and a big deal and just be obedient. Just Jesus, just what do you want me to do? If I'm with him and I stop and I listen and I hear his voice, I find more pleasure in his nod than in everybody's applause. So, so what does it mean, Jesus, for me just to be with you and stop and hear and listen? This is the way Paul talks. How does Paul, Paul gets to where he's at the end of the line. He's, he's, he's in a, staring at death and Demas runs off for comfort. Paul stays the course. And I just love the way Paul talks. He says in, in Philippians 3, and this is a famous text, and you, you know it, but I, I just love it when he says, whatever is my gain, I consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. And then in verse 10, he gets this, and I picture it like a resilient, and he says, I want to know Christ. It's that Greek word, gnosko. I want, it's a present tense. I want to experience, I want to know him. Boy, you get that and all the invitations that you get fade compared to being with him. I want to know him, I want to be with him. So the invitation to follow is not just another invitation. Invitation from a celebrity or the politician that you love or Elon Musk is not as significant as the one from Christ. And you get the privilege of being with him. Whoa. What, what could it look like? I think one of the things that I, I fear in my culture that is the, the globalized information culture where we have so much knowledge and so little union communion with God. I just, I fear the tragedy of the day that we stand before him and we decided not to be with him because we substituted knowledge about him instead of relationship with him. I just, I think that it's easy for you and me because, and I'm not, I love the internet. I'm not trying to be down on the internet. I'm not trying to be down on, any, I'm not down on any ministry. I'm not down on any book. I'm not down on any movie. I just think it's so easy for me. I'll put it on that way. It's easy for me to substitute knowledge about him instead of being with him and knowing him and, and taking time to be with him, right? We know how, to, we know how this works in our lives with celebrity type people, right? We know a lot about them, but we don't actually spend time with them, right? My hero is Bob Stoops for a lot of years, head coach of the Oklahoma Sooner football team. And in 2005, I found myself with my bride and two little kids in the Miami airport the day after we had just lost the national championship. We, the Sooners had lost the national championship. <laughs> and I found myself in the airport pushing a stroller with Renata by me. And I saw him off in the distance and a sea of crimson and cream. Uh, I mean, like there they were. And I said to Renata, hey, babe, wait here. <laughs> I, I won't put that in the marriage sermon, but I, I said, babe, we're right here. I, I got to go meet Bob Stoops. I just, he's just, I can see him. He's right there. It's just amazing. And, and I don't know what I expected in that moment. I have no clue. I don't, I, I did not think through it fully. 
But I, I walked up to him. He, he, he got, I waited for him to get off his cell phone. He got off his cell phone and we just lost to USC. And I, and, I, and I said, coach, great season, good game. We'll get him next year. And I don't know what I expected that moment because I actually, in my, in my head, I have so much knowledge about him. I know his wife's name's Carol. I know he's got a brother named Mark. I know he's, he went to, you know, he came up through Kent State, worked for Steve Spurrier. I know, I, 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 I've seen pictures of his house on Google Maps. I, I know he has twins. I, I know a lot about him. But here I am, I was 30, late 20s, wearing a hat, on my way out to vacation, and he looks at me, and he says, thanks, son, and he pats me on the head, like I'm 12. <laughs> True story. And it became abundantly clear to me in that moment, I have a lot of knowledge about Bob, but I don't know Bob. I've never spent time with Bob. Bob don't know me. Right? So a guy who watched games, reads the internet, reads newspapers, knows coaching strategy, even knows coaching pass, knows the names of family members. I have a lot of knowledge, but I have no relationship. You and I live in a time where we have an abundance. You've got videos, you've got reels, you've got, you've got Bible studies. You've got, we've got so much, so much. And there will be a day where you stand before him and you're going, to wanna, you're, going to, you're going to go, oh, oh, to have been with. And we've got that privilege right now. Every day can be a day that you're with him. What does it mean to be a disciple? Be with him. Do you know that Jesus called his disciples to be with him and they were not perfect? Peter, come follow me. You're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. You're going to have some days where it's awesome. And you're going to have some days where you put your foot in your mouth, brother. Come. Be with me. I'm not saying that every day is perfect. You're gonna have some good days and bad days, but be with him. And I would invite you to go on the journey as a disciple of Jesus. And I dream about a church where we're filled with people going on the journey as disciples with Jesus. He rescues them, saves them, helps them be transformed into life that comes from God alone and then fills them with supernatural power so that they can be a light, radiant, light up the world. And I wanna just remind us today, we're disciples. I wanna remind you today, when you said yes to following Jesus, it is the invitation above all and your allegiance is to the lamb above all and all these other things could actually clutter up your life if you Cease to be with the lamb, with Christ, with Jesus. Like a disciple, he called them that he, they might be with him. Emmanuel, God with us. With him. That's the vision. Will you bow your heads with me? ask the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is saying to you today what your one next step could be some of your next step is salvation let him rescue you 
Tell me your next step is you've said yes to Jesus and you need to go public with your faith. Be baptized. Some of you might want to say, I, every disciple steps into community. Jesus never called disciples and then they lived in isolation. Might need to take a step. Get connected. Let somebody help you on the journey. Disciple makers were, were like tour guides. You have the relationship. We're just leading you on the journey. It's you and Jesus. Just, we just ask the Holy Spirit, what's my next step, God? What's my yes as a disciple of Christ? Today might be the perfect day for you to decide to follow Jesus. In the same way he offers an invitation to his disciples that we read about in the gospels, that invitation is available to you. And it's not one that says, hey, come to Jesus. In all your circumstances will get better. Now let's come to Jesus and you get relationship with Jesus and you get to do life with God from this day all into eternity. If you want to begin that journey today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer and start that journey. Jesus, rescue me. Save me. Change me. I give you my life. Have your way. I will follow you. I trade my ashes for beauty. And I want eternal life from God. My allegiance is to you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. I want to invite those of you that said yes to following Jesus today. There's a card in for, on your seat. Looks like this. I have decided. And I want to invite you to take a moment. And if you wouldn't mind just filling this card out. I personally want to take a moment tomorrow night at our prayer meeting. We want to pray over every single one of them. We want to pray for you. We also want to be in touch with you and help you go on the journey as a, as a radiant disciple of Christ. If you're online, I want to encourage you to fill, there's one out online. You could fill it out online. We'll be in touch with you and we'll also pray for you. Let's take a moment, ushers, if you want to come forward, we'll take up this offering. And Father, today, I thank you for a radiant church. I thank you for this church that brings their first and their best tithes, offerings. <laughs> I thank you. God, even as we, as I just look at those, look at the building and look at those pictures, knowing that you're at work, I just thank you for every person, every penny, every dollar, every prayer, every person that serves. Jesus, you are building a radiant church. You're building your church all over the world. You're building your church in America. You're building your church here in Kansas City. God, you're building your church right here. 
and we thank you. We love you. We honor you and we give today cheerfully. We give gladly in Jesus' name.